The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transformed their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Now, our guest today, Larry Katzen, worked at Arthur Anderson from 1967 to 2002. He quickly rose through the ranks to become a partner at the age of 30. And he has a new memoir out called, And You Thought Accountants Were Boring, My Life Inside Arthur Anderson. The book takes a unique look inside of one of the world's most historically important accounting firms, including its indictment and the subsequent Supreme Court vindication. Welcome to the show today, Larry. Thank you. Okay, so we all know what happened, at least through the media, with Arthur Anderson, and it's been over a decade ago. Why do you feel the need to write this book and to bring all that back up? What was the motivation? Well, there was really uh, four, four reasons why, and the first and most important reason is because Anderson's image was tarnished as a result of Enron, and uh, if I ask most people what uh, Arthur Anderson's role was Enron, they would say, we messed up the audit. It wasn't a quality audit. But the fact uh, remains, after 10 years and the government subpoenaing millions of documents from Arthur Anderson, to this day there's not been one example where Arthur Anderson messed up the audit. And so I wanted to get the real story out, and that was the primary uh, motivation. The second reason was that this is the first book about an accounting firm ever and how it serviced its clients. Most uh, okay. the accounting profession requires confidentiality, not only within the firm, but with its clients. And now that Anderson was gone and many of my clients were gone, I had the opportunity to share and describe what it's really like working in an accounting firm. Okay. The uh, third reason is because I wanted to uh, show how you can balance your life and still be a professional. My wife, Susan, and I had quadruplets, and we were asked to move to Dallas, Texas from Chicago when they were two years old. And as indicated in the book, there's a lot of highs and lows in the career, and we were able to get through that by still raising quadruplets. So if we could do it, others can do it. Oh, and just the demands that a, a, a huge accounting firm like Arthur Anderson puts on all of its employees, but to us a partner, and then you have four children, two years old at home. I just can't imagine. So that was number three. Yes, and the last one is I wanted to share lessons learned as a result of going through crises and uh, dealing with uh, being a professional. And so in the book, I describe 15 lessons uh, learned as a result of these experiences. Right, and we're going to go through a few of those today. But before we get into that, I want to go back to something that you mentioned. You said that of the thousands of pieces of paper, perhaps even more than that, that the government had, that there was nothing that showed that Arthur Anderson messed up the audit. So why did the government indict Arthur Anderson? 
Well, the government indicted us because we were shredding documents, and they thought we were defrauding them. But the fact of the matter, uh, Kelly, is that in the accounting profession, uh, all firms are required to discard and shred uh, drafts of documents that aren't make it to the final uh, work papers, to do points, um, items that are irrelevant to support the opinion. So that's what we were doing, and we were doing it in the middle of Enron's accounting department. So if we were doing something devious, we certainly didn't do it in a devious way. Sure. So there was a perception of of uh, misconduct. There was a, there was a perception because of the shredding, and that that's why the investigation began. Uh, right, and that's what we were indicted on. But the Supreme Court overruled it on a nine zero verdict, and they made their decision within a few weeks' time frame. Sure. So you know, some people who are listening, I just have to ask a question. Some people who are listening are probably shaking their heads and thinking, you know, the government is not going to waste all that time and effort going after some an organization, especially one as mighty as Arthur Anderson, if there's not something there. And so was there any culpability? Did Arthur Anderson have any at all regarding the Enron scandal? Well, if you mean by culpability doing a shoddy audit, I would say no. If you mean culpability by being associated with an unethical client, then I'd say yes. Okay, yeah, there's a big distinction there. And as you say, the Supreme Court, in just a matter of weeks, overturned the decision unanimously, 9-0. So um, why did the IRS go after Arthur Anderson Partners, who served Vail? And give us a little bit of background about that. Well, I, that's why I was transferred to Dallas when my kids were two years old. And uh, we were doing that because Zayl um, was having some um, restatements in its accounting and there were some accusations with respect to uh, its tax reporting. In addition, there were some ethical things going on with the management. And so we were asked to come in and replace the existing auditors. And as part of that process, the government tried to indict uh, Zales management. And this went through for several years. This was going going on. And uh, with the help of Zales attorneys, the management was... Uh, was vindicated. Mm-hmm. We we came in and uh, we identified other ways in which the company could save millions of dollars in taxes, and these are things uh, many retailers do on their own, but Zale had not uh, previously done them. So we helped them do it. It was very complex, and I and other partners were involved uh, helping Zale do this. When one day a, a IRS investigated. Uh, person came in my office, threw his badge down, and asked me to sign some papers. And at the same time, the other partners that served Zale received the same notice, and Zale's management received the same notice simultaneously. Uh And so for the next two years, we were going through a possible indictment, and they were saying that we were conspiring with Zale management to defraud the government. This was the farthest thing from the truth. And we just went through a lot of money and a lot of time to prove our innocence. Okay, and eventually you did. I mean, yes, you, yes, we did. Yeah. Okay, so you had mentioned that there's lessons learned uh, from all of this, and one of the questions I have—it may not be one of your specific lessons learned, but it's, it's something that I am curious about. As business owners, especially smaller business owners, mid-sized business owners who don't always have legal staff on hand 
you know, right there in their offices. Uh, maybe they outsource their accounting. Uh, you know, they, they don't have that expertise on staff, and you get the dreaded IRS audit notice, or you get, uh, you know, you, you get uh, notice that somebody's filed a discrimination suit against you, one of your employees. In other words, you get some sort of notice from the government. It, the ones that I know, the business owners I know who have had that experience, it, it's, it's a showstopper. You know, you, you just freeze in your tracks because you really don't know what to do a lot of times. So do you have any advice for others, for business owners who do find themselves in the government's crosshairs over things like that? What would you say to them? What's the first thing that you should do? Well, the uh, first thing I would do was get good professional help. In my case, when I went through a, a personal IRS uh, investigation through Zale, I, I used Chuck Meadows and Bob Davis, uh, and they were extremely helpful. Bob was previously the head of the IRS Criminal Investigation Division, so it was a tremendous help to, to uh, get his comfort and see what was going on from their, from their perspective. Okay. But you have to be aware of the power of the government, and that's the lesson I learned. Don't take them lightly because they can do whatever they want to do. Okay, so so don't just let that notice sit on the side of your desk and think that it might go away if you pretend you didn't receive it. Correct. Yeah. So, okay, so get professional help, get a lawyer, get your accountant in, get your HR people in, whoever you need to to get, you know, a, a strong uh, presence that can help you start building your case and start responding to these uh, these whatever the inquiry is. Now, you mentioned that there were 15 lessons that you learned while you were at Arthur Anderson, some of them independent of the indictment. So would you run through some of those? Because I know that they will uh, hit a nerve probably with a lot of our listeners here who are trying to uh, run a business and also have a personal life, so to speak. And so why don't you run through some of those for us, please? Okay. One of them is to, to listen to your heart. Don't be analytical all the time. Uh, listen to your heart, and sometimes your gut gives you the right uh, right answer. To put it on a personal perspective, uh, when our quadruplets were uh, when Sue was pregnant with our quadruplets, uh, she went into labor early, and one of the drugs that the Michael Reese Hospital wanted to give Susan was not available uh, by the FDA here in the United States. It was used in Europe and Canada. And the doctors said that uh, they couldn't guarantee what kind of condition the kids would be if they were born now. But if we wanted to sign these papers, uh, they would go ahead with this drug. And we did, even though we didn't study it, we didn't analyze it, we didn't ask other people. Uh, we listened to our heart, and, of course, the kids were born all healthy and ended up to be a, the pride of our life. So right. uh, listen, listen to your heart is one. The other. Well, uh, if, you, if I could just ask a follow up there, mm -hmm. uh, that that is uh, something that I think entrepreneurs, that business owners, have to remind themselves to do on a constant basis because we we are risk takers to a certain degree, but we've got because of that we've got a lot on the line, and we want to make sure that the decisions that we're making are the correct decisions, and so. Sometimes there's a tendency to analyze and to analyze and to analyze. But as you, as you just pointed out, whether it's in your personal life, whether it's in your business life, sometimes you just have to take the information that you've got and you just have to go with it. And I, I have to ask you, uh, 
coming from the background that you did with with the accounting background where you analyze everything, where you crunch those numbers, was that a really hard decision for you to make, even though it did ultimately come from your heart? Was that a hard thing for you to be able to do because you have, you know, most of the time you are being so analytical? Well, um, for me it was not, and that's one of the reasons why I named the title of the book and you thought accountants are boring because many mm-hmm. people think accountants are are uh, detailed-oriented, introverts, uh, don't know how to communicate, don't see the big picture, don't have a right brain. And that's the farthest thing from the truth. They're basically like everybody else, and the mix of people are like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. Now, you, were, you were about to go on to your second lesson learned. Yeah. Um, another lesson in terms of going through crises is, is that in crisis, the leader has to stay positive and focused. And uh, by that, I mean, when I was going through the Anderson indictment at the end, you still had clients to serve. You still had to deal with your everyday tasks. And some of the things that you normally would do just had to be put aside. And all your energy Mm -hmm. and focus had to be on on this uh, crisis and get it behind you before you could deal with the other routine things. Right. If you don't set that example, then all the rest of the people in the office are going to – they're going to follow your lead, essentially. And if you set the tone that you're scared, that this is an insurmountable obstacle, then everybody else is going to follow that lead instead of serving the clients that you still had, as you said. So um, that's that's a very good point. Correct. There's there's nobody that's going to be more positive than the leader. Right. Kind of hand-in-hand with that, one of the other – lessons from your book was do the right thing. And I know you talk a little bit about your college days and doing the right thing, but I think that probably also applied to the situation you found yourself in uh, under the, the government scrutiny. Yes. Can you talk uh, a little bit about that? Yes. Uh, at the very end, um, when the, the government indicted us, actually the Enron investigation started in December 2001. Uh-huh. By March of 2002, the largest accounting firm in the world was out of business. In 90 right. days, the government took us out. And so one of the things that uh, we had to do was not only finish the audits during the busy season, but to find new careers and jobs. I uh-huh. actually uh, announced uh, or put into my retirement in November 2001 before Enron to be effective in February 2002. But um, even though my retirement went into effect, uh I still had to just go to the office and do my everyday job. There was no replacement identified for myself, and I couldn't tell clients and people that, hey, I was really retired. I'm out of here. It was just a right. thing to do. I did the right thing. I, I went in every day, even though I may not have been paid, and I helped sell the uh, office and get people placed in other organizations because it was the right thing to do. Yes, yeah. You had to you had to see all that through. It was a matter of it was a matter of personal integrity. Not not just professional integrity, but a matter of personal integrity as well. What are some of the other lessons that you have learned as a result of your days at at uh, Arthur Anderson? Well, um I I was courageous in several examples which I'll go into, but courage of your convictions without persistence produces little result. What do you mean by that? I'll give you two examples. Um, when Anderson and Anderson Consulting were going through their disagreements, uh, they were going to be go through an arbitrator 
and split off the firm in two parts. Mm-hmm. The firm identified a value in which Anderson Consultant could, could pay Arthur Anderson and leave. And the Arthur Anderson people thought that that amount was insignificant or not material enough. So the firm required you to go to arbitration. The arbitration had to take place in the country in which neither Arthur Anderson nor Anderson Consulting had a presence. So it ended up to be a small country in South America where the arbitrator uh, was identified to select who was right, Arthur Anderson or Anderson Consulting. At the same time, I was representing May Company in an arbitration against Federated Department Stores with respect to an acquisition that they made of two of their divisions. I learned quickly that the arbitrator is trying to find a happy medium. They don't want to give everything to one side or the other. As a result, both parties sometimes are disappointed. So I called my CEO and told him of my experiences and suggested that we not put our hands in the in our fate in the hands of this small arbitrator, uh, but that we settle with Anderson Consulting. And even though we may not have got 100% we want, we might be better off than if we went to arbitration. Uh-huh. My CEO uh, said that he was an international arbitrator. He was from the U.K. And not to worry, Anderson Consulting is going to lose this argument. As it ended up, Arthur Anderson is the one that lost. So perhaps if I was more persistent and got others involved, that we would have put more pressure on him. Uh The second example came at the end. Um, This was post-Anderson and Anderson Consulting separation, and it was prior to the Enron uh, event. And we had a strategy meeting in our St. Charles training facility in Chicago, and um, there was not much enthusiasm for our new strategy. And here all the leaders in the office were there, and I started thinking about um, Arthur Anderson and where we were. Here we were by ourselves now. The firm was just cut in half with Anderson Consulting leaving the firm. And perhaps this is the time to make a have a merger with another accounting firm because they didn't have uh, consulting practices, and we were a very strong firm. And perhaps if we merged with somebody, we'd be the, the biggest and strongest firm again, only focused on auditing and accounting. So I stood up and said that perhaps we ought to consider this merger. And there was silence in the room, and then two senior partners said, well, wh- why don't we just wait and do our strategy? If the strategy doesn't work, we can always do that. And I responded and said, what happens if we have a major a major um, litigation? Then we'll be merging out of weakness and not out of strength. Now's the time to do it. And these two people said, let's wait. Well, again, perhaps if I was more persistent and got others involved and followed through on this, we would have come up with a different answer. Uh-huh. Instead, okay. instead, we could not merge the Enron thing came. We couldn't merge with another firm yeah. because no firm wanted to take on all the liability. So we had to sell individual offices to, to separate firms. Right. So where do you go from here? Um, obviously, the damage was done to Arthur Anderson. Uh, the employees scattered. Uh, clients went elsewhere. Um, what? What ultimately was learned. I mean, I know you've had your your personal 
lessons learned from your days there, from the uh, from the situation with Enron itself, but but from a more global perspective, what have we all learned from what happened there? Do you think? Well, I've tried to reflect on this and say, okay, who benefited from Arthur Anderson going away? Mm-hmm. And it certainly wasn't our clients because they all had to go through the expense and trouble of finding another accounting firm. So they certainly sure. didn't benefit. It wasn't our people. Our people had to all find new careers and go through a very stressful part of their life. Perhaps their lives would change forever. The only ones that really benefited was our competitors. They were able to obtain our people and our clients and in subsequent years double their rates. So their profitability increased significantly and everybody else lost. Right, right. Now, Arthur Anderson does still exist with just a, a practically a handful of employees, doesn't it? Is that correct? Yes, the training facility that we had in St. Charles, Illinois, still exists and is used to train other firms. PricewaterhouseCoopers does a lot of the training mm-hmm. there. Accenture, Protivity, and a lot of other organizations go there. It's a world-class facility. Okay. All right, and you're celebrating your 100th anniversary this year. Is that correct? Yes, the uh, offices uh, on September the 26th all got together and uh, tried to uh, individually celebrate the 100th anniversary of Arthur Anderson. Okay. Now, for those who are interested in getting diving into the, the details, I know we just hit the surface here today, but for those who are interested in taking a, a deeper dive and reading your book, how would they go about getting that? Well, uh, two ways. They could go to my website, Larry R. Katzen, K-A-T-Z-E-N, Dot com, and they could order uh, my book directly from my website and also see other information on the website, or they could go to Amazon uh, and order from them. Okay. And the name of your book again? Tell us tell us. And you thought accountants were boring, My Life Inside Arthur Anderson. And I think that all of you who are listening today, uh, just, just a little bit we were able to discuss about the book and uh, the lessons learned and the turmoil and the subsequent uh, result of the uh, government indictment against Arthur Anderson. I, th- I think that there's probably quite a lot of intriguing, intriguing reading there. So thank you so much for your time today, Larry. We wish you best of luck. Thank you, Kelly. And for those of you who would like more resources for growing your business, please take some time to visit www.ithinkbigger. That's our website. We'd also invite you to follow us on Twitter at ithinkbigger and like our Facebook page, Thinking Bigger Business Media. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.